Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. This is a Squiz podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Sometimes it can feel like retirement is a long way off, but whether it's two years or 20 years away, it's important to make sure your super fund is working for you. Aware Super is one of Australia's largest super funds and offers heaps of free tools and tips on its website for Aussies looking to get their super sorted and put a plan in place for their retirement. Read the PDS and TMD at aware.com.au. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 6th of June in your Squiz Today, 100 days of war in Ukraine. The Prime Minister visits Indonesia, chaos in European airports, and exactly what is in the Queen's handbag. This is your Squiz Today. As the war in Ukraine passes the 100-day mark, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has released a video message praising his troops for doing what seemed to be an impossible task, stopping, quotes, the second army of the world from seizing the nation. While it's a reminder that Russia's invasion hasn't gone to plan, they still do now occupy around one-fifth of Ukraine. And when it comes to counting the cost, the devastation and destruction of the last 100 days is high. It is. It's hard to be exact about it. But what authorities say is that tens of thousands of civilians have died in Ukraine since February. Uh, And what Vladimir Zelensky says is about 60 to 100 Ukrainian soldiers are dying each day. According to Russian officials, about 1,300 troops have died, but the UK government is one who thinks that it's closer to 15,000. There are tens of thousands of residential buildings that have been destroyed. There are more than 200,000 Ukrainians who are homeless as a result of that. There's hundreds of factories and hospitals and bridges that have been reduced to rubble. And what the United Nations say is that at least 6.8 million Ukrainians have been driven out of the country. They reckon about 2.2 million have returned to the west of Ukraine. And about 15.7 million people in Ukraine are now in urgent need of humanitarian assistance and protection. That's what the UN's refugee agency says. As for how it ends, analysts don't reckon that's something we'll know in the next 100 days. It's said that Russian President Vladimir Putin hopes that a long war of attrition will wear down Ukraine and its allies. Yeah, that is certainly on the cards, according to those experts. They say that those weapons and supplies that have been given to Ukraine by its allies and by countries like Australia and so many others have put the Ukrainian troops in a good position to be able to hang on, but certainly not win or drive Russia from its borders. So they're looking like settling in for a long time. That is something that Zelensky and others say they're very worried about because they're concerned that Uh, the West will get fed up with the war, that we'll forget about them and that they might just be left to linger while Russia continues to make progress. That's something that NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says as well. He says the fighting could easily drag into unresolved conflict with neither side willing to make the necessary concessions for a deal. 
Back home now and continuing the new government's focus on our near neighbours, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese flew to Indonesia last night with Foreign Minister Penny Wong and Trade Minister Don Farrell. The visit, so soon after winning government, is a sign of how keen Albanese is to strengthen ties. Yeah, and he talked during the election campaign about wanting to get closer to our northern neighbour. He said that Indonesia will grow to be a really significant economy, a substantial one when it comes to the world. And he said that Australia needs to strengthen that economic partnership. It is one of those countries that seems like a no-brainer when it comes to deepening relationships and trade routes and all sorts of strategic positions for Australia. Uh, When you look at it by size, Indonesia has a population of 270 million. It's also the world's third largest democracy, so we have quite a bit in common. Uh, But when it comes to trade, uh, the country is Australia's 14th largest trading partner. So there's room to improve there. Also travelling with Albanese is a business delegation on the agenda for talks with President Joko Widodo, climate change, trade and making it easier to travel between our two countries. Still in politics, the Liberals and Nationals have announced their shadow front bench. Take us through some of the key moves, Claire. So what Peter Dutton, the leader of the Liberal Party, says is that he's put a new face on the front bench. Uh, David Littleproud, who is the Nationals leader, is going to hang on to the agriculture portfolio. The Nationals have claimed six of the Shadow Cabinet's 24 positions. And when you look at the economic round, Angus Taylor is the new Treasury spokesman. Uh, Senator Jane Hume will cover finance. Uh, There's lots of ins and outs. Those who are out, uh, including include some of Scott Morrison's very close allies. Alex Hawke is one who didn't get a spot. He's also dumped Linda Reynolds from Western Australia uh, and a very close Morrison friend, Stuart Robert, who was demoted. Uh, As for Scott Morrison, he ruled himself out of contention after that election loss. Parliament will resume in July, so we'll see them all in action then. There are 10 women on the coalition's front bench compared to Labor's 13. And if you're dreaming of a European vacay as summer starts in the Northern Hemisphere, then be prepared for the reality of airport chaos. It sounds like a similar situation to what was seen here around the Easter holidays, Claire, but on a larger scale. I'm not feeling that jealous now that I know that it's going to be a bit of a hassle getting through Europe's airports. Yeah. It's a few people I know who are making that trip to Europe for some summer holidays over there. Uh, but yeah, there's been a surge of travellers and that's really caught the airlines and the airports short of staff. Uh, What they say is that there are up to 50% less staff at those airports. But when it comes to travel capacity, it's returning to sort of 90% when you look at 2019 levels. So uh, that has seen people queue for hours. It's seen people miss flights. Uh, It's seen the airlines reduce their flights because they just can't cope with getting into those hubs and out again in a good order. It does help with the jealousy a little I have to say but if you are planning an overseas trip better get your passport sorted with as much time as possible post-covid demand is seeing unprecedented passport processing delays here in Australia 
In sport now, Rafael Nadal has won the French Open. Claire takes him to an incredible 14th title for that slam. Oh, Larissa, I feel like I'm stealing your thunder this morning. I know he's <laughs> I, one of your favourites. <laughs> I think I contained my glee a little there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy news this morning for any Nadal fans. Uh, he won in straight sets, 6-3, 6-3, 6-love. Uh, he turned 36 last week and it makes him the French Open's oldest men's champion. Uh, it also extends his all-time Grand Slam record to 22, which gives him a two-title gap between himself and Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer. Uh, it's going to be difficult for him to continue that winning streak. He's been talking a lot about how hard it is to keep going. Uh, and in recent times, a chronic foot injury has reared its ugly head again. So he's got a bit to go, but gee, he's doing well. As for the women's, Iga Swatek took out the women's title. She defeated American Coco Goff in straight sets. It's been a long weekend of platy-jubes celebrations over in the UK. Plenty of highlights, Claire, but I have to say finding out what the Queen keeps in her handbag has got to be right up there. Yeah, taking a cue from Paddington Bear, it's a marmalade sandwich, which she keeps for later, which is really nice to see that at least she's got something in her tummy with all of that meeting and greeting and moving around that she has to do. So she's done very well. It was a really lovely clip that she put together with the BBC uh, before that big concert event, the party at the palace. She didn't attend that, uh, but she also showed that she's pretty deft with a teaspoon and a cup to go to We Will Rock You, which was pretty cool too. <laughs> it's pretty cool to see that at 96 she can still surprise. If you haven't seen the clip, I'll pop it in your episode notes. The Queen says she's humbled and deeply touched by all the celebrations. Squeeze the day, Claire. What is something to take note of today? I don't know how the two tied together, but it's World Pest Day. So if you've got any ants or mm-hmm. horror, horror, a mouse maybe that's still hanging around, <laughs> it's the day to get onto that. Uh, also the anniversary of the premiere of Sex in the City. That started in 1998, if you can believe. Oh man, 24 years ago. We'll leave it up to the listeners to decide if they're connected. Uh, today is the start of Australia Made Week. A good reminder to keep an eye out for that green triangle with the yellow kangaroo supporting Aussie businesses where you can. That's all from us today. Have a good Monday. We'll be back with you tomorrow. G'day, Kate Watson here. I'm the host of Weekly Wrap and News Club, a place for conversations about the news. It's budget week, so I'm here to tell you about our News Club episode from last week where Claire chatted with James Chessel. He's the former Managing Director of Publishing at Nine Entertainment. He was also a staffer earlier in his career, so they have a good chat about how the budget sausage is made. Here's a small snippet. The most important policy or set of policies the government will announce every year. So it's important that it's not um, announced willy-nilly, although mm. they do leak <laughs> a, a fair amount of it. Yeah. And there is a famous time when a, when um, Laurie Oakes, the nine journalist, got his hand on the budget papers b- the day before the budget and was it's able to such print. such an incredible story. Was able to print a lot of it, um, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is... 
a lot of what the treasurer will announce has the ability to move markets, yeah. um, direct impact on on businesses and and other organisations. So you know there does need to be some rigour and uh, confidence that it will be handed handled in an appropriate appropriate way. For more on that chat, just search for News Club in your podcast app or follow the link in your episode notes.